Instead, we're going to talk about Elf Only fans. <laughs> Hi, and welcome to another episode of Dungeons and Degrees. My name's Adrian. And I'm Alex. And today we have a special guest. Special guest, introduce yourself. Hi there, uh, I am Noah Diamond. Uh, I am one of the original Dimension 20 editors. Yes. Uh, now now former. Yeah. yeah. Still doing some editing work currently, correct? Uh, I'm, I'm focusing more on assistant editing right now, actually. I've been... I've been pushing into the broadcast television world. So I've kind of, uh, you know, sh- uh, shifted those gears to, to take on those kind of shows that uh, I don't have as much of the editorial experience for. Gotcha. I wanted to talk about editing and then we'll kind of get into your current projects, kind of like the flow of kind of work and how you kind of got where you are now. Mm-hmm. So I guess how, before you started with Dimension 20 or and the current works, what were you doing? Immediately before I was, I was at the time I was working for uh, Viacom in their uh, digital department, uh, which uh, has, has changed a lot since then. But at the time, they had like a large digital team that kind of worked on content for all the different brands. So I was doing a lot of stuff. Uh, this was assistant editing for you know Comedy Central and and TV and VH1 logo stuff like that. We we're doing you know mostly uh, <clears throat> excuse me uh, like supplemental sidecar content, you know pre shows, post shows, behind the scenes. Comedy Central did a lot of like original, like short form digital sketch comedy on like the YouTubes and the YouTubes uh, <laughs> on their YouTube channel and, and uh, stuff like that. That was my first big job in Los Angeles. And it was actually really fantastic. It's a kind of a really great uh, launch pad. I've sent a few other people there since I've left because it just, they really run you through the ringer. It's, it's such a variety of, of content and platforms uh, and workflows. You know, I was doing stuff for, you know, Snapchat, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, website, a little bit of broadcast. Uh, Musical.ly, back back before it was TikTok, <laughs> yeah. we, were, we were doing original content for Musical.ly. Uh, and so, you know, you come out of there, like, just with a really strong understanding of, of workflow and uh, a very padded resume. You just put each of those little projects as a separate, you know, knows that that's all the same job. I mean, it doesn't matter <laughs> that it is. So, like I said, I've, I've sent a few people there. So, I, I, I had been there for about two years and was looking for looking to leave. Uh, but you know the problem with those those golden handcuff jobs is even when you're done with them, it's really hard to find something worth leaving for because of this just the long termness of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and so there was a, a job listing. Uh, it didn't say it was for College Humor, but for whatever reason, I knew that Big Breakfast was the production company behind College Humor. I'm not sure where that information got in my brain, but I saw an ad for a Big Breakfast thing, uh, and I was like, oh, that's College Humor. And I applied for that. And that was supposed to be like two to three months at the time. That was the job listing. It's like two to three months editing a D&D show or a tabletop show. And they said in the job listing, like, include your experience. So I put, like, a whole, just a giant paragraph of here's my history with it. And then at the end, I'm like, also, I know how to use Premiere and I can edit stuff, whatever. Uh, <laughs> you know, uh, and and at the time, I knew I knew two, I knew uh, one of the assistant editors working at College Humor at the time, and I, I hit her up. And I knew an editor, uh, Andy Young, who had just, he had um, cut the first batch of I'm actually, I didn't know that at the time, but he had cut the first batch of I'm actually. So I hit him up and I hit my sister and her friend up, uh, Brittany Joyner. I got them to throw in, uh, you know, some words for me, you know, when I applied, you know, pulled those industry connections as best I could, uh, you know, and went in, you know, it was uh, probably the best job interview of my life because I mean, on the one hand, going to a job interview when you've got a job is such an empowering experience. It's like really kind of helps shift those power dynamics and say, it's not that, Oh, I'm going here. Cause you know, I need to, I need work. Please hire me. Yeah. You know, it kind of lets you do that. Like they always, they always say like, Oh, when you go to a job interview, you should be interviewing the employer as much as they're interviewing you. 
And that kind of helped make that a little bit more of a reality mm -hmm. because I didn't need them. I wanted them, but I didn't need them. Yeah. Uh, you know, yeah. So I went in, you know, uh, you know, I went in, I talked about, I, I was in and editing at D and D podcast at the time, which we had, we're, we're pretty, fairly shallow in at the time, probably, you know, so I was like, I'm already kind of doing, you know, it's audio only, but I'm doing the stuff you're looking for. Uh, and, you know, yeah, they, you know, they seemed to like me and, you know, they, they, they brought me on to, to edit fantasy high at the time. You know, uh, it was, it was not called dimension 20 at the time. It was called, uh, I think they were calling it adventure dome at the time. They changed that for obvious reasons. <laughs> yeah. And we had to edit that out. You know, they, 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 cause when, when, when Aaron and I started, they were at the tail end of filming the show. Mm -hmm. I don't remember exactly. I know, I know they hadn't filmed the finale yet. It might have been the finale and like an episode or two before that they were still wrapping up. And so we had to actually edit out every time that Brennan said Adventure Dome <laughs> in, in, uh, in the intro. Because the, the space was going to be called the, the, the Adventure Dome. Right. Mm -hmm. That was the whole that idea for the It was like, yeah. yeah and he, and so he opened every episode with Welcome to the Adventure Dome. Uh, and we had to nix uh, all of those. <laughs> some, some of, the, some of the, the rare times we've removed content from episodes of Dimension 20, which obviously we, you know, we've talked about many times we, we try and avoid whenever we can yeah that's awesome i i do like this <clears throat> this presentation of you talking about how like you know using your connections and your past experience and the you know that's interview tactic of you're interviewing them versus them interviewing you because it's something that not a lot of people like when they first get into you know jobs don't really know about and some people are just like super nervous and just like i don't know what to do am i gonna mess up or anything like to have that mentality shift it's like okay let's see what yeah. they say <laughs> i also said that this because because you know it was a facebook job post and I, I i normally hate doing this but you know commented like oh i i applied and, you, know, you just comment on it and and i now endorse this tactic just because of this experience which was like must have been like 10 different people i knew all like replied to my comment being like oh you gotta hire noah he's really great you know <laughs> awesome. and this and that and 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 that was brought up in the job. You know, they brought up Andy and they brought up Brittany and then they brought up like, Oh yeah, all these people were replying to your, your thing saying how great you were. Uh, and so I was like, you know, as much as I, like whenever I see a job post, all these people being like, Oh, I emailed you or, Oh, check your spam folder. Cause you know, if, if they're asking for Facebook messages, yeah. like that others, you know, which, which I never do. Cause I'm like, look, if they're looking, they're looking, <laughs> but I'm like, you know, you know, it's, it's uh, I guess, I guess there is a reason to do that. Cause, and, and I've definitely, you know, made sure to return that favor. You know, when I see people I like, you know, I'm like, oh yeah, you got to hire them. Or if I've, I've had some people be like, hey, no, can you, I just, I just <laughs> apply for this job. Can you, uh, can you make a little comment on there to give me a little profile? Just a little, mm -mm. Just a little, little <laughs> thumbs nudge up. on the algorithm. Yeah. I, I think it's, it's that, it's that and being fast is what like, cause Viacom, I also got from a Facebook post and I was the first person to reply. And I, once again, I replied and the, the hiring, the person who ended up being my boss replied to my comment being like, oh, you know, I'll, I saw it or whatever like that. He didn't reply to anybody else's comments on that Facebook post. And I obviously was the one that got the job. I don't, I don't know what kind of correlation there is between yeah. those two things, <laughs> but I, I got to look at that, that data and be like, well, something's going on there. Yeah, well, something positive is happening. I've been an assistant, right? Where we look through interviews and as the assistant, like, oh yeah, I'm going to creep hardest on the first couple of ones that come in and be like, this person can go like this doesn't this doesn't look good so i could see the the benefit of getting in early because oh de definitely in general yeah because you're gonna get this, the fatigue yeah in, in i mean in general yeah and like that's why like uh what is it um staff me up you know when you pay they bump you to the top you know they bump your resume to the top because yeah they all know that that being at the top of the stack 
matters. But I think it was specifically being first to like reply on that Facebook that was like such an interesting little a little occurrence. But yeah, both both Viacom was also supposed to be like a three month gig, mm-hmm. just like you know, and both of those jobs I ended up being at for two years <laughs> each. You know, Viacom they brought me in for it was uh, the the summer they like you know had a lot of stuff ramp up. In particular, they they did a sketch series every year. That was the last year they did it. I hope that's not my fault. For uh, Red Apple <laughs> Ale, like sponsored like a sketch comedy series, uh, Red Social Scene. They're very funny, but unfortunately because they're branded, they only stayed up during the summer, which really. You know, they had like Paul Shear and Colton Dunn. I think Nicole Byer was on like, a, you know, we, we did a few things with Nicole Byer before she blew up. I like that. That's that's Nicole Byer and Lizzo. We both like did stuff with before they were famous. I'm proud of that. <laughs> uh, a few, there a few people like that. And so they brought me on for that show. And then like, I was like, in July, I was like, hey, can we talk about like my rap date so I can start working on my next job? And he's like, yeah, we'll, we'll talk when things slow down. And two years later, I quit. <laughs> things never stop, never slow down. They yeah. just kept going. <laughs> Yeah, and and likewise, College Humor, they're like two to three months, which, I mean, to begin with, it took us way longer than that. They, they, College Humor was going through a lot of growth with Dropout, and Dropout was not public information at the time. Uh, you know, they were going through a lot of growth, and they had never cut, worked on content of that scale. And I think that there was a lot of like, oh, this is a lot more work than we anticipated. Yeah. Uh, so it, it took us much longer than two to three months to cut. I mean, we, we were still putting the final touches on Fantasy High when the show was airing, which is not unusual for television, but, mm-hmm. you know was not what was not the plan so that was what september and we started in february so that took you know about seven months to cut the show mm-hmm. uh and then by that point they had already greenlit season two you know because it, as soon as it launched they were like oh this is this show is you know huge and we need to keep moving right. uh so much so that while we were working on season two and season one was wrapping up airing they were like oh we can't wait for the, you to finish season two we need to put out more more content <laughs> we need to put out more dimension 20 which is when uh they they had been talking about doing the one shots or the side quest, but that was when they like, like no, we're the, the talk was like to do one after Unsleeping City, and they're like, no, we're doing one now, <laughs> doing a side quest today, and they and they brought in two new editors, you know, and they and they shot Escape from the Blood Keep over a weekend, and you know the editors, you know Emily and JB cut it in just blazingly fast time, absolutely ridiculous turnaround. I, I do not envy them, <laughs> and you know and and they you know they went in cold, you know they they never cut the show you know it was an entirely new experience for them and they had to just hit the ground running and they cranked out blood keep while we were finishing Unsleeping city so that it could air shortly after fantasy high finished and then it would give us more time to finish on sleeping city so you know they definitely saw it was uh that they had done something you know pretty quickly mm-hmm. you know that, that dimension 20 was going to be a big thing and you know it's it's last time i heard it was fully half the views on dropout were dimension 20 uh half the views on dropout were dimension 20 and then also like Dimension 20 watchers watch the most other content on Dropout. Oh, that's kind of interesting. Like, you know, like uh, uh, WTF 101 was very successful in terms of raw views, but but WTF 1 watchers didn't watch much else other than WTF 101. You know, they came in, they watched that show, and they didn't really grab onto the platform. Whereas Dimension 20 fans really, you know, engaged with Dropout as a whole. Gotcha. That's interesting that you have those kind of like like the entry level of like, who's watching and the statistics yeah. of where they jump to and whatnot. I have no idea if that's proprietary information or if I just, am, if someone's, if Sam's going to call me and be like, no, what the fuck? But, you know, <laughs> it's out there now. It's out there. Uh, <laughs> Sharing our metrics. Uh, yeah. I just, I, I think, I think they'd shared that the half, the half of the views number before. Okay. I think that, that's, hey, let that's me that know what you need to cut. I will cut it. No, no, no. <laughs> what, what are they going to do? Fire me? <laughs> yep. That's it. You're going to be like, ah, back pay. What are we going to do? Yeah. Yeah. 
they, they they have asked me to come back a few times since the layoffs. I've just had so much other stuff going on yeah. that you know. And as much as I, I miss working on it, it's just I know you know from from a pragmatic or even cynical perspective, like I don't gain anything from cutting more Dimension Twenty. Mm-hmm. Like it doesn't propel me, and you know. And so I I would do it like if I had the time, if I was in between stuff, and I had you know I would love to do more Dimension Twenty. I you know it's it's such a wonderful show to work on. It's such an amazing team and fan base and i miss not doing you know i miss doing it rather Mm -hmm. but at the same time i'm like i gotta keep gotta keep moving forward yeah so like you kind of viacom for two years drop uh, dimension 20 drop out for two years how does you propel into the next thing with these like two years of kind of working in these jobs so yeah i i had I mean, I came out, I've, I've ironically been very, for a long time, very afraid of doing freelance work, which uh, was a bad, it's a bad, I've always said it's a bad position to be in, you know, for, for my career, but I've also been really lucky to like land a bunch of long-term gigs. Like before Viacom, I was nine months at, at a little news web startup. That was my first job in Los Angeles. They, they brought me in to fill in for someone who was out of town for a week and then they fired him and kept me on which was awkward because they didn't tell him and he came to walk into his office after his vacation or trip or whatever. And I was in his, I was there. Not a good company. Not a good, that should have been my first red flag. Uh, I ignored it and I stayed there for nine months before getting Viacom. Uh, and then before that, I was like a year and a half in back in San Francisco. It was a job I got at the tail end of college, actually postponed my graduation a bit to work. It was uh, this, this start or not, well, they call themselves a start. This, this, this uh, comedy label called rooftop comedy. Um, they, and they put out albums and their big, other big thing was they had cameras and comedy clubs all across the country and they recorded the sets there and would cut out. And, and so we would go through that footage and kind of curate and cut it out. Uh, and they would, they'd sell the recordings back to the comics to like build their reels and stuff like that. And then they'd also license it to like Pandora and audible was the big one who audible ended up buying the company because they were uh, audible mm-hmm. had their whole channels feature. Now we, you know, like non, you know, all that content and they were, and they acquired us in during development of that to kind of acquire the library of, of comedy content for those. So I was there for like a year and a half when my job ended there, I was on unemployment and used that kind of to, you know, motivate my move to Los Angeles. Uh, so I've been very lucky to kind of have this, this run of long-term jobs of really not having to hunt right. and peck for freelance work, but coming out of college humor, I was like, you know, I, I got to bite that bullet and I got, you know, especially because the, you know, every time I was at the play, you know, like every time I was, as a, a place for two years, like a year. And I'm like, I got to get out of here. I got to do something else. I got to keep moving. And I'd spend another year trying to find something worth leaving for, you know, even, even college, even, you know, even though while I was enjoying working at college, I was like, I got to, I got to do something else. I've cut three seasons of this show or however, you know, I need new, new opportunities. Uh, so that's kind of been a big commitment. I actually turned down, I got earlier this year offered a, a one to two year long union assistant editing job on a very cool looking show. And I ended up reluctantly passing on it because of the duration and it wasn't quite the, you know, I, I very much picked the direction I was aiming and things. I'm like, Oh, that's a very cool show that like two years ago I would have been so love, you know, love to have been part of it. Like right. now it's not where I want to be going. And, you know, and <clears throat> I've been fortunate things have worked out pretty well. You know, I've, I've jumped a few, you know, a few jobs since leaving college humor. I, I booked an 11 month long union show that started right at the beginning of the pandemic. I was four days in the office before we switched to work from home. Uh, that worked out incredibly well for me. That's a great time to get 11 months of union work, you know, and I'm, I'm closing out this year on, uh, I'm on my third, you know, scripted comedy for a, a major distributor, you know, this has all been work as an assistant editor, but like, you know, that's 
I'm, I'm looking back at the year, but like, oh, dang, I, you know, I'm pulling this off. I've had since moving to Los Angeles one month that I've been unemployed. And that was the beginning of this year. You know, when I wrapped, wrapped up that union show before I, I landed something else while I was just looking. And that's, I, you know, that's kind of been my thing. I'm like, oh, wow. Okay. I'm terrified of freelancing, but clearly, <laughs> clearly I'm doing all right. Clearly I, I can, right. I can find work. It, it helps that right now, you know, the, the market is uh, very saturated with jobs. You know, I, th- I think it's a big boom post COVID. It's, it's pe- people cannot, there's not enough people. I, I don't want to call it a labor shortage because, the, but it's, it's, it's a, a work surplus. So, and, and people are having a hard time filling, filling jobs. So it's, it's, you know, there's, there's so much work out there right now. That's definitely helping a lot. I could see that happening, especially since we're, we yeah. just got out of COVID. Well, got out of COVID. Um, yeah. And all of the creativity, all of the projects that got started and we got started in the middle of the pandemic because we had, time nothing else better to do <laughs> exactly. and we had time yeah yeah i mean the 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 show i just wrapped on which is actually uh, adam conover's new show you know in the show he even goes like this show is supposed to come out a year ago and we did never even were able to film it because of covid I, I spent the last few months working on that show which was a lot of fun and very cool and not you know not and that was on pure coincidence i didn't even call <laughs> adam to get that job i just happened to happen to get it and then i was like hey adam i'll, <laughs> I'll see you at the office <laughs> that's pretty great impressive journey especially like you know you saying i hate freelance and then you're able to kind of keep moving things keep grabbing these positions of like long-term work which is super awesome i don't know how i did it like people kept asking for advice i'm like i don't know just kept it just kept happening none i mean and even the audible one that was a three-month internship that was an internship an underpaid internship and i was i was looking at quitting that job because like oh and and then they got acquired by audible and they were like all right all the interns are now employees you know, making $15 an hour, which was a ton of money at the time. Felt, you know, that's minimum wage in San Francisco yeah. now, but, you know. I mean, especially like where you're from, when you come from, like, an intern position, it's just like, oh, wow, I can yeah. not worry about eating a little bit. <laughs> you, you know, that branch doesn't even exist anymore because they were paying us, I think, $500 every two weeks as interns, which I was in the very privileged position of I could afford, you know, to – to, to take that, which I mean, that's the problem with under and unpaid internships mm-hmm. is it is it filters out the applicants to the people who can afford to be working for free or working for little to no money. And that's a huge problem. That's my that's my endorsement or unendorsement <laughs> of those hiring practices. Gotcha. And you kind of talked a little bit about but that you had a, uh, you know, a D&D podcast when you were kind of jumping into editing Dimension 20. Um, what it was what is that project? Uh, that's called Danger Town. We did uh, we did one season. We there's been talk of doing a second. Uh, you know, we'll see. It's 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 hard to it's hard to put together a podcast, y'all. And and that was just something done with some some film friends of mine. Uh, you know, led by uh, Austin Smigalski, who is someone I have a long creative relationship with. He he wrote and directed the feature film that I cut a few years ago, uh, and a few other film you know friends of us. And we had, we had put together a D and D group. And so I had just gotten into fifth edition. I hadn't played much tabletop in a very long time and, and not much D and D and we were getting into that and we were like, Oh, we should, <laughs> we should do a podcast. We're, we're funny and engaging people. Uh, and so, you know, yeah, we were, we were filming a podcast or recording a podcast called danger town. And I was doing most of the editing. Uh, I think a, a few other people did. And, and once I started on dimension 20, I kind of, I fell back on the editing. We actually brought in some other post-production friends to cut a few episodes and stuff like that. But yeah, I mean, it, it's a very different 
beast than dimension 20 we weren't we ended up we did a little bit of music because we brought in a composer friend of ours to do like the theme and stuff like that but we weren't really doing sound design we ended up doing that later kind of inspired by dimension 20 uh, ironically enough <laughs> uh but you know the the cutting of the D content and, and what they were really looking for at college Amber was people who would understand the, the D and D stuff. I think they were much, you know, like even when I talked about me on my email was a ton of here's my tabletop experience. And then also you know, I can use the software, right? Which, which I mean, in that, that my editor at Viacom, the editor I worked very closely with when I was getting ready for this interview was like, anyone can, you know, when, when you go into an interview as an editor, like don't talk about how you can cut it. Anyone can cut it. They want someone that they, that the, the personality is what you're selling, not the technical skill, because everyone knows how to use the editing software. Any person off the street could just put the show together, but it's, it's the passion and the energy and the enthusiasm for the content that you that you need to sell, which is exactly what they were looking for. You know, and I, they, they wanted people who could decipher what the hell was going on, uh, which, you know, I'm, I'm a big rules lawyer. Uh, you know, and so I was able to, and especially because we got very little information about a lot of the stuff, you know, and Aaron would very be like, "Hey, they're referencing this thing. What what is this thing they're talking about? Is that a class <laughs> feature? Is that is that a feat? Is that a spell? You know?" And I'd be like, "Oh, that's this thing." And it, it, especially when we got into um, a crown of candy, when we started, you know, putting their character sheets right on the screen, and we and we got scans of their character sheets, but you know, they they just list everything in that little tiny box in the bottom right. Mm-hmm. And you know, we had we had like the feat section and what that, that and and so they were like, "Okay," and we we had to, I I had to sit down and be like, "Okay." what is this thing that they say here? Is this, is this a racial feature? Is this a class feature? Is this a feat? Is this a magic item, you know, to, to kind of parse that all out so that we could figure out what needed to go where on those, on those character splash pages. We got, you know, we, we did so much like, you know, I, I, I don't remember if she talked about it on your podcast, but I know it's talked about it before, like in season one, we weren't given any of their hit points. <laughs> So we had we had a, just a giant spreadsheet, and we had to like reverse engineer their hit points for every episode, based on like and and you know like based on track how much damage they and be like, oh they, they're down here, so they're at zero here, so that's the amount of hit points. So their hit points are between this and this. Oh, they right. say they're at twenty <laughs> hit points here. Okay, and we had to, and you know and like, oh also Ali you know use you know the inspiring leader feat right. at the beginning. Okay, and and then how much and and so just we had like really com- relatively complex spreadsheets to to really track all those hit points. Right. Uh, and be like, what the hell is it? And, and and meanwhile, the graphics don't even show the numbers. It just shows the percentages. But we were like, ha- you know, I, I don't know about Aaron, but like I would type in, you know, into those percentages. I'd be going down to like, you know, the hundredth place on it. I'm, like, I'm getting <laughs> these as accurate as I possibly can for this, you know, hundred pixel wide or however, you know, wide yeah. uh, health bar. And then it got really complicated in Unsleeping City when we had, you know, the the negative hit points, the hit, the hit, the hit point max reduction yeah. and temporary hit points and healing and the, you know and it was just like and we're the spreadsheet got so complicated and the, and the after effects project files for the number of elements we had to play with you know and then we had wild shaving too on top of that and then changing all that hit point stuff too yeah and it's like how and we're like how do we want to deal with this you know uh it was it was a beast you know and, and, and we had to check them and sometimes sometimes they got the math wrong and we're like okay which what, what direction do we err mm-hmm. if we want to be as accurate as possible but if 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 they're if they think they're unconscious because they got math wrong, at the end of the day, they are playing the game where they're unconscious, and right. we have to roll with that information. So we kind of try and like a, find a middle ground between accuracy to the math and accuracy to the narrative that ended up happening at the table, yeah. and kind of split the difference. It's tough to keep a hold of a lot of that numbers, especially since like when you started editing Fantasy High, 
they had already like what every other episode they level up so like you're not getting yeah. any of those numbers when they get new hp um amounts and it's like that's a lot of reverse engineering yeah i, th- I think i think we got their character sheets from the first session if i if i recall correctly like they took photos of photos of those and, and we we kept asking you and in future seasons we got more kind of snapshots of their character sheets gotcha but also sometimes, sometimes they just like, you know, someone would just run in with their phone and just take pictures at the table. And like, I, I can't read this. Uh, they're running know. past blurry photos yeah. everywhere. You know, they're, they're juggling. The, you know, we, we went down to set because they were filming Dimension 20 in the building at the time. Uh, and, we, and, you know, there's so much going on on that set. It is, it is an impressive production. Especially, you know, with the with the old dome. The new dome now is not actually a dome. It's just some some panels behind them. Mm-hmm. The original dome, and you've seen that behind the scenes video. That was a full friggin' dome that you know inside the office building, right? Yeah, inside inside the office building, right next to the um actually set. <laughs> you know, our our little our little sound stages. That's awesome. <laughs> that is a beautiful set, though. I'm still obsessed with it. Yeah, I. I, I kind of I missed the I mean, I'm, they, you know they they built those panels for for senior for sophomore year for the live show mm-hmm. and then and then they kind of you know ended up adopting those as as the full look of the show uh, moving forward it's it's much more practical but you know it's it's there's, there's a certain level of commit not commitment but like unnecessary extra credit <laughs> I guess in making it an actual dome instead of a dome like backdrop right yeah just a lot yeah, of like you gotta love. Yeah, exactly. Rick and his team just always go above and beyond. Oh yeah. I actually don't know how directly involved in the dome specifically Rick Perry was, so I don't maybe shouldn't give him credit for that. <laughs> I think I think he did the sketches that I saw at the very least. Yes, he has the sketches. So we had him on too oh. and I didn't I didn't really know. So I'm new to the Dimension Twenty. Adrian got me mm-hmm. to watch it last year. So I watched Fantasy High. I watched the first season last year i just now realized how far behind i actually was like i knew i was behind but not but once we talked to rick perry and then i looked at his portfolio i about died about just the amount of effort that went into any of that production and now talking to you of like oh there is another aspect that there's another detail that we don't think about but came in seamlessly like looking and watching the video of seeing you know, just character hit points. Well, for me, I'd be like, yeah, of course they give you that information. That makes sense. No, you had to go and do some more math. And then they, they they got better about it after fantasy high. We made a fuss about it because (laughs) fantasy high was very much more a see of their pants. And like I said, we weren't brought on until the the end. So that those things weren't being considered uh, at at the time, you know, they didn't know what the graphics were going to be. We're talking about, they were going to be portraits. They're going to be, you know, pie charts. They were going to be, you know, like they didn't, hadn't figured out, what any of that stuff was right you know or what they even wanted i mean i don't even know when a conversation of hit point graphics came up because no other no other D show does that you know which which i think you know dimension 20 really did a lot of things that weren't being done in actual play which is kind of wild to think about mm-hmm. you know between the minis and, and the graphics and the sound design and stuff i mean there's some stuff like i know like the the you know critical role or, or geek and sundry had done like the celebrity dnd you know with vin diesel and stuff like that and that had some really cool sound design but that was like a special thing that was like you know a sponsored thing where they you know sunk some money into it and they built that cool misty kind of room that they all played in it was a, yeah. a an exception i guess not a, not the norm right it was something special not like like you said and yeah. just the like as like another actual play you know like it's 
the people are just trying to get into that space. So, you know, you had to stick out to make a an impression on other viewers. Like, yeah. what's going to stop other people going from my normal actual play to this new one? Like, what's going to stand out opposed to like, well, they're all just talking and playing D and D. What's special? <laughs> I mean, the the other magic thing, like at at the end of the day, like you know, we we get so much praise, you know, for the minis and for the sound and stuff. But at the end of the day, the magic ingredient at the time was Brennan. <laughs> <laughs> I, I do think with you know the flash got people in, but brennan you know and and he's no longer the magic ingredient which i think is so wonderful they're bringing in all these other dms but he he very much set the the course for the types of stories that are told by dimension 20 and the way that dimension 20 tells stories even when he's not the one telling them anymore mm-hmm. that i think is is another un- unique thing about about the show you know that just that those types of rich narratives not that other people don't tell, but the style yes, of rich yeah. narratives that yeah, I cover my ass, man. Uh, <laughs> that, that style of rich narratives uh, is is also very unique, you know, under the hood. Of course, uh, yeah. to Dimension Twenty. What is your own involvement like? And you might be like very busy. Do you have any time to play your own games or anything like that? Or you have a long term game right now? Not not lately. I I was in you know the the mod game that Aaron mentioned. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know that that our wonderful mod captain uh, uh, Wolf runs. Uh, I was in that, but my last show, Adam Conover's new show, had me working a lot later than my previous. My previous shows had had been work from home, which you know, so it's a lot easier to you know, you're you're here. There's no drive home, and also like, oh, work's a little slow. Yeah, whatever. I can play some Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> I, I I finished more more like I finished everything for the day. Even you know, yeah. Whereas you know, uh, Adam's show was in office. We were working in a facility. Uh, which was which was on you know is, is still unusual. My new show is work. I'm back to work from home again, but so I between hours being later and you know I'm I'm there even when work is done. I'm there mm-hmm. to support that in case they need anything. I you know and so I just I hadn't made it for a while. I was actually retiring a character to bring in a new character, so they retired that character, and then just my new character never showed up. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Whoops, which is which is similar kind of what, to what happened in Brendan was running a and d game for the College Humor staff right. after after Fantasy High. And my character died in the last session. Uh, and I was going to bring, I, I was going to make a new character. And then they started filming on Sleeping City. And we're like, okay, we're going to put a pause on the, the Office D&D game, you know, and we'll resume it when things slow down. This is a theme. When things <laughs> slow down, we'll resume the Office D&D game. Uh, and there was never a point in time when Brennan was not working on another season of Dimension Twenty. After that point, gotcha. once they introduced the concept of the side quests, you know, he 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 was he, he became. I mean, you, you you go look at the sketch output. You know, his he, so he wasn't writing sketches anymore. You know, he was. I think he was barely even acting in them as much as he. You know, he now and then, but not nearly as much as when we were working. You know, when we were doing post on Fantasy High, and he was just around, not doing anything else. You know, or doing doing yeah. stuff as a college humor cat. He was you know just a, a college humor cast member but once on sleeping city and bloodkeep is dimension 20 was 90 percent of his workload yeah i guess he i mean he, he did he did a lot of other stuff but like i mean you, you watch you you watch those seasons you watch young fresh fresh face brennan in in fantasy high and you go watch you know uh, uh a crown of candy which is kind of the tail end of this this first arc before you know before everything stops for the layoffs and and covid yeah. And and man, he is he's at a different energy level, different wavelength. <laughs> College Humor put Brennan through the ringer and and he and he loved it. He loved every second of it. You know, he he would never say no right. because he loved what he was doing so much. And and Izzy one at one point was with me was like, he'll, he'll just never stop. He'll just never stop. I'm really worried. <laughs> like 
as long as they let him work on D&D shows, he's just going to do it constantly and will never not be doing it. He needs to sleep at some <laughs> yeah. point. And I'm glad, I'm once, once again, a reason I'm glad that they, they're bringing other DMs. Brendan, Brendan can sleep some now. That's what the yeah. I'm Sleeping City was based on, was the fact that he wasn't yeah. getting any sleep. That was the no. beginning. That was the beginning of, that was, Unsleeping City was the last time Brennan slept. <laughs> it was his cry for help. Yeah, please. Uh, no, but that's that's the thing is 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 he loved every second of it. You know, he he. Uh, Brent, I mean, the mind of Brendan Lee Mulligan is is something else, uh, and and it it never stops. And and as long as people are willing to throw fuel at it, he's he's so happy to to crank this stuff out. He he's having the time of his life. So it's very apparent. I mean, yeah, yeah. yeah. But yeah, no, yeah, you, Alex, you had mentioned like just how many seasons there were, you know, you, you'd realize and like it, it is, you know, and that's remarkable, you know, that now he's been able to put it out now that they have new DMs and, and just, I mean, it's, it's even been a few seasons since this happened, but there was a moment where I realized that I had, I have now cut a minority of seasons of Dimension 20, <laughs> which I think, I think the seven actually might've, was it with, it was with this something around one of the recent seasons. Was like, oh, oh, I've no, no longer, I've cut, you know, less than 50% of the seasons of this show, which was kind of like, Oh man, I had, I had a little bit of like an exit. Oh, my, my legacy is diminishing you know, my impact <laughs> yeah, on the show. I mean, probably if you, if, you know, all these new seasons have been so much shorter. If you do it by, by hours, mm-hmm. I'm sure, I'm sure I, I have a, a big, a bigger share, but yeah, it was kind of, it, it was kind of a, once again, talking about like how much I wish I could go back and do more of it. I'm like, Oh, I, I'm, I'm fading away into the distance. <laughs> you know, I, I only like, every time I look back, I feel like, you know, it was two years and we cranking these shows. And I felt like I did so much, but I only did four seasons of dimension 20. Mm-hmm. You know, I did, I did fantasy high unsleeping city, tiny heist and a crown of candy. When you list it out like that, it feels like, it feels like a blip. But it's not, <laughs> you laid the foundational groundwork. I mean, just, that's that's what yeah. I that's what I try and remember. Yeah, it's like you know, at the end of the day, like I, I germinated it, everything that came after. But, <laughs> but they, they've changed. I mean, the, the format of the show is, especially you know, with the COVID stuff, the format of the show has changed very dramatically too, though. You know, with the with the split screens and they changed the way they've done graphics and and you know, it's 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 a constantly evolving beast, which I think is is actually really which is really fantastic. You know, and now and now Aaron's gone too, so the entire you know that original guard we're we're, we're both gone now. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know she's you know, she's doing great things. You know I'm I'm very excited for her. You know, she's over at, at Warner Animation. I think I can say that. I won't say the show, but she's over at Warner Animation. She and, she, <laughs> and she's and she's editing, uh, and, and you know which which is really and, and Andy actually is over at Warner Animation too. He's working on uh, he's editing um, Harley Quinn, which is really cool. Nice. And they finally they they have a whole connection because because she talked about the heart. She worked on the Harmon. Town documentary. And he was in the Harmon Town documentary because he was, oh. you know, he interviewed Dan Harmon for a part of it, and so I kept trying to get because they like knew each other through that, and like they, they still haven't met, but now they've been on like company calls because they're both at Warner Animation. It's like eventually their their paths will officially cross. Yeah, but that's the weird small world that we you know that we work in. You know, I, I made a post on Instagram about the the you know HBO Max show that Izzy's on, uh, the Sex Lives of College Girls, mm-hmm. uh, and and one of my friends was like, "Oh, Kelsey's assistant editing on that." I was like, "Oh, I know Kelsey. Like every everything is connected. Everyone knows everybody. <laughs> you know, you can't escape it." That's why he's not trash talking anybody while he's here. <laughs> That's exactly why I'm not trash talking anybody while I'm here. Hundred percent. A hundred percent. I don't. 
Try, gotta it, keep those connections fresh. It, it it always becomes weird when you see people like bashing a new release on social media and stuff like that. It's like I'm, you know, I'm like I know people. Like, I'm like, oh, I should I, you know, not, not that, yeah, I don't want to like go and be like, oh, this was terrible. And then like someone's like, I I fucking worked on that. Like that that is a hundred percent a reality in, in in my life that you know someone could just pop up that I know or that knows someone I know that like worked on a thing that I'm bashing. So I'm like, I try I try and be careful and uh, and you know diplomatic and kind you know kind and empathetic when talking about media that feels like a wild concept though that you have to actively be kind like that's not just a default for a lot of people well i i I think it's it's just so easy to forget that people are on the other side of of things you know i mean you you see it happen with parasocial relationships but even with you know with something you know when you're watching like a major it becomes so much more abstracted you know the the people that worked on it, then you know the, the piece of you know a podcast or other type of media that are about the people working on it, and so as you'd be like, oh yeah, I thought this sucked, but like people put their heart and souls into this thing, you know. So I try and try and keep that in mind. Of course, yeah. And you know, I don't know if from what I've seen through like individuals who work in like media, TV, and shows like that, they're always just like you know if someone has a comment who's like not in that realm, they're like, well, you got to understand like the, all the nuances and everything. And they're just like, as like a, an unlearned individual who doesn't know what goes on behind the scenes. They just don't see that. They just see the finished yeah. product. <laughs> there was a big thing about that, you know, with the uh, Bohemian Rhapsody, you know, mm-hmm. that there was that, that video that went viral. Someone be like, Oh, here's how bad the editing in, is in Bohemian Rhapsody. You know, look at this scene. Uh, and it started going around in some editor groups and stuff that I'm in. And, and first of all, I, I know, I know the editor of, I don't know him. Sorry, the, I know that the editor of that movie was in some of those groups. Uh, but I, I know a lot of people who are like, like, you don't know what the hell went on. You don't know what the coverage was. You don't know the politics of the room. Like, you know, like, you know, the politics of the room, you don't know the, the kind of stuff they're trying to fix. You know, that's, that was a really messy, complicated production, you know, with the, the Brian Singer stuff and the change directors and people, and people always be like, Oh, you know, cause it won the Oscar for best editing. It's like, that's because people knew what the hell was go- going on. Not even, you know, like it was best recovery in, in editing <laughs> more than, more than anything, you know? And, and whenever people talk about editing, it's like, I'm biased, but like whenever people like, Oh, that was such a, that scene was so badly cut. Or that was such a bad edit there. I'm like, I always hesitate to blame the editor. I'm like, Oh, well, who knows? You know, who knows what the coverage on that scene was, you know, what they had to work with, what the director or producers are like, Oh, we should do it this way. And the editor was like, no, that's a terror. And they're like, we want to do it this way. And, you know, and, and then you get, you know, Brian Mills jumping over a fence with 30 cuts or, you know, what have you. I, I, I'm always reluctant to be like, oh, that person's a bad editor because this, there's so, it's, it's, it's such a process. Yeah. There's more to it than just what everyone sees. Yeah. I, I was watching some video essay about something and the person was like, oh, the editor keeps deciding to do this. And I'm like, well, hold on now. <laughs> They're probably the only person that has the full view of whatever could be possible. And then you're listening to a thousand different voices. Cause I'm sure that's, that's fun and yeah. easy and like super relaxing because. <laughs> yeah. That, that are really, it's just everyone's work comes together in the edit. It's, it's kind of really that, that magical time when everything comes concatenated. You know, they, they say, you know, like a story is a film story is told three times, you know, when it's written, when it's directed and when it's, when it's edited. Yes. I think that like, the work that goes into it is very like, like, because we've just, we just talked about like how people just immediately just dismiss it as bad. It's not like thanked a lot. So like, because like nobody really thinks about it. They like, they just see the medium and they're like, it's good or bad. They didn't, they don't see the nuances in between. Yeah. 
but yeah, so like, thank you, Noah. <laughs> that that was a real like. I mean, editing is called like the invisible art. You know, the, the, every year, you know, they do a, a panel of the Academy Award nominated editors, and it's called Invisible Art, Visible Artists. Uh, they actually might do it for other mediums. Mm-hmm. I'm not 100 percent sure. I know they do it for the editors because that's the one I go to. Every <laughs> I know they do other. I rather I know they do other panels of the Oscar nominated people. I don't know mm-hmm. if those are also called Invisible Art, Visible Artists. They, gotcha. they might be. It might be the whole series. But uh, Dimension Twenty, I think was a real once in a lifetime opportunity because of the kind of more prominence of the editing and the direct engagement we were able to have with the fan base through like the discord and stuff like that. Uh, You know, I'm I'm probably never going to have a project in my life like that where people are like, Oh, you're the person who did this. I want to engage with you about this stuff. And I want to ask you questions about how you did stuff. And I want to appreciate the stuff that you did. And like, that's that it's, that was the real highlight, you know, every, every, so much was a great about to mention, but that kind of engagement with, with the fan base was just such a wonderful experience that I, I expect to never have again. I, I, I even had, I was, I was, I went to uh, Long Beach Trans Pride uh, a few weeks ago, months ago, time is meaningless. Uh, and, and there was someone there working one of the tables and, and they had a hoot growl sticker on their water bottle. I was like, oh, you're a Dimension 20 fan. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I, 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 I'm one of the editors of Dimension 20. And they're like, oh, that's so cool. And they introduced, I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm Noah. And they're like, oh, my God, you're Noah. And I was like, what is, what? <laughs> it was su- such a bizarre experience. And, it's, you know, and, and I, I got to thank Dimension 20 for, for what it, I, I, I'm still in the, the dropout discord. I pop in every once in a while, but it's so hard to keep up now. Yeah. That, especially, you know, like I go in, like they're talking about all these seasons. I don't like, I, I. I haven't kept up with watching the show as much as I should. I, I feel very bad about that. So I'm like, I got nothing, to, you know, half, half, half <laughs> plus one, you know, a little more than half these conversations. I've like, I got, I got nothing to contribute to them. So it's, you know, I have a hard enough keeping time now, keeping up with my discords that I, where I know everybody on them. Yeah. No, we, we talked about discords with Aaron as well. It's, yeah. it's just so much content flowing from so many different people just trying to ask questions or give their two cents. It's just, it's crazy. I, I kept up with it well when when I was on the show. Mm-hmm. I was I was pretty active, and you know I loved fucking with the fans. <laughs> I love. Oh, it, was, it was so fun. It was so fun. I I would take screenshots of their fan theories, the ones that were like incredibly correct or incredible, like so laughably incorrect, like like a, a complete one eighty from what ends up happening. Mm-hmm. And I would end up I would reshare them down the road and be like, hey, so and so perfectly guessed this, or so and so was like just so off the mark. <laughs> uh, people would get i mean at the end of the day they throw so many things out there that, like some of them have got you know it's mon- monkey yeah. with typewriters not you know, the theory of monkey. Like, well, our fans <laughs> are not monkeys they do have, they do have typewriters though um, but like one of, one of my favorite things was you know because and i know aaron brought this up of, of we split the 16th episode because it was just you know a fantasy mm-hmm. high because it was so big uh and the show had already been announced as being 16 episodes and i took very special care to never refer to it as the 16th episode. I would always say the last episode or the finale or the, you know, that. And, and because I, I, my policy is I'm going to fuck with you. I will misdirect you, but I will never outright lie. <laughs> and, and I, ne- and I, and so then they're like, I'm like, you go, go say any point in time when I said there's 16 episodes. And I, I think I said times like, Oh yeah, we plan you know, the, the season is planned for 16 episodes or stuff. I would say stuff like that. And I never told an outright lie. And, being able to watch people's reactions, you know, when that episode dropped and ended with that to be continued on that, you know, that alley nat 20 mm-hmm. was, oh, that was, that was so cool. Being on the <laughs> other side of the, and watching that, that come out was, 
you know, or, or and stuff like, you know, or, you know, like on, you know, a crown of candy, you're watching everyone, you know, talk about certain characters, you know, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not going to give any kind of candy spoilers, I, you know, but like knowing who would turn out to do what or what would happen to certain people and be like, Oh, I'm so sorry. You're, you're so happy about this thing right now. Uh, <laughs> but you won't be, you won't be <laughs> exactly. in a little bit. Yeah. You <laughs> won't be. <laughs> yeah. I'm currently like, I have somebody in my, one of my discords just like coming into the dimension 20 as a new person everyone's just like oh we can't wait till his heart's broken <laughs> like we're just waiting for it all to happen to him it is a fun experience <laughs> yeah I've, I've had a few people message me that'd be like oh, i'm just getting into dimension 20 and you know like i think someone someone uh, another another editor friend of mine messaged me he's like i'm getting because i kept getting recommended bill seacaster clips on youtube <laughs> and he's like i want I'm like, he's like i got i he's like i gotta watch this show <laughs> Uh, don't you, and then and some people will message me about my um actually appearance and be like, "Whoa, I just saw you on um actually. <laughs> nice. What is going on?" You know, which which once again a, a weird neat experience I got to have in my in my time at College Humor. Oh yeah, it seems like a blast. Um, but you know, you keep talking about like kind of this keep moving forward. What is the goal that you're trying to reach right now? Right now, I'm I'm focusing on television comedy, which is something I wasn't even my goal when I started at College Humor. wasn't my goal when I worked on Comedy Central stuff. wasn't my goal when I worked at a stand-up comedy label, uh, which says something, right? Uh, you know, it, it just, I, yeah, I had, I had a point in time uh, where I kind of was trying, I was like, I got to figure out what I want to specifically go for. Uh, and I was like, oh, you know, and, and I, I think a, a big catalyst was, was a, someone I, who had moved new to Los Angeles that I had met uh, and, you know, and, we're getting on, and, she, and she messaged me on Facebook kind of out of the blue. And she's like, hey, if you could cut any show past present, what would it be? Like my first thought, the first thing that popped in my mind was 30 Rock. I was like, no, I can think of something better. I'm like, let me think on that. And I was like, you know, why, why am I ignoring that, that first, you know, it's almost like those tests, you know, where you just get a bunch of questions really fast. Yeah. And you say the first thing. I was like, oh, that was the first thing that came to mind. Why? Maybe I should examine that. And I look at it just like the way, especially 30 Rock, the way editing really plays such a prominent role in comedy and, and pacing, and, you know, and you manipulate performance and drama, obviously, but the way you do it in comedy is such a more, less invisible part of the process so much more you know playing with that and then i looked i'm like i'm currently working at college humor mm-hmm. i worked for comedy central i worked for a stand-up comedy label you know i'm like oh shit maybe there's maybe there's something here maybe and it's, it's similarly like i when i first got into film i took film in high school just because i liked the teacher i was you know the teacher whose classroom we hung out in like lunch and, and recess and stuff and i just wanted to take a class with him so i took film i was like oh i like i, I remember writing a screenplay with my best friend in, in elementary school and we went out to like the the corn maze and we filmed like a horror movie in there you know just of us you know and i was like oh shit i've been i've been doing you know i, I had the the lego stop motion yeah kit when i was a kid i didn't do a ton with it but i had it yeah <laughs> and I, was like, I was like oh you know and, and it was a similar thing I'm like oh oh this is this is something i've been into this whole time but i never really made like never really connected the through line Mm-hmm. And so yeah, so that, that was you know I'm like oh you know and and I unfortunately I don't think there's a ton of great comedy movies right now where you know it's 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 just not the time you know the mid budget movies are are in very much in, in decline for you know a lot of reasons you know the movies need to go a lot broader because of the way box office works now they need to mm-hmm. but television is really where the great comedy is now so I really fo- I you know I, I decided to focus on that. You know, I was like, so, so, and like, and, and I've, you know, and one of the things when I started focusing on freelance, I started setting like annual goals. So like last year, my goal was get in the union and work on shows in Avid, which is, you know, I didn't have as much experience with, you know, 
I've done a lot of stuff in Premiere, but Avid is really the main one used in these bigger shows. And I honestly, I managed to do both of them like right away, which is wild. You know, March, right after, I actually, I overlapped a little bit. Like as we were wrapping out of A Crown of Candy, I started working on this show and it was like, it was an Avid show. And they're like, oh yeah, we'll teach you how to use Avid. Sure. Which I got through, I got through one of the old assistant editors who had left College Humor was working at this company. And she was there because of when Brittany, the assistant editor who referred me left, she worked there. So the, the, the chain, these chains of connections I'm talking about, you know, yeah. and I've, and just like Viacom, I've passed other people there. A friend of mine is out. He's got his first, ed- he's editing a investigation discovery at that show at that company. And I got him in there while I was there. So it's this always paying it forward. And so I, I was on that for a few weeks, this, you know, this avid documentary series that's probably dead in the water. Cause it was about the Olympics. It was really cool. It was about, it was about refugee Olympic athletes. Mm-hmm. Which, which it was really fascinating. I was really enjoying it. And, the, and but then, you know, I, I left that and then I got, you know, it was a premiere show, but it was a this 11 month union show, which, which was uh, Last Chance U Basketball for Netflix. And so I was on that for 11 months. I don't think it was supposed to, once again, I don't think it was supposed to be that long, but, uh, <laughs> but COVID really, you know, changed, mm-hmm. changed things. Uh, and that was a really cool experience. And then, you know, I wrapped that at the beginning of this year. My, anyway, so that, that was, you know, those both happened in like March. And I was on that and into January of this year. And my goal is this year was focusing on like broadcast or at least, you know, not it's, it's tough because like this, this came up with a conversation recently, like digital versus broadcast. It's like, well, you know, Netflix is digital, but I don't consider that the same as doing, you know, like college humor and comedy central YouTube stuff, even though college humor has a streaming platform, you know, has dropped out. But it's like, eh, there's the street, I guess it's there's digital streaming and broadcast maybe would be the three categories, but you know, my goals were like broadcast stuff or like big, you know, bigger network stuff, you know, that I could put on my resume and and then working on scripted and comedy stuff. And the first show I got, like, like I said, like a month after uh, I wrapped out of uh, last chance you was, I got hired onto a stop motion show for stupid buddy studios, which is the company that does robot chicken. Uh, I got referred to that through, through a friend of mine who had just started on robot chicken. Uh, and I was on this, this new show they're doing called ultra city Smiths which is this really weird stop motion. It's from Steve Conrad, who did uh, Patriot, which is an Amazon Prime show, which is absolutely fantastic. I, I highly recommend it. Uh, and Perpetual Grace Limited, which is on Epix. So nobody's seen it. But he's, he's this really, really, he, he does like, he writes like Hollywood movies as his day job and then does really weird TV shows. As like, <laughs> he, doesn't, he doesn't have to care how successful they are because he's like writing like Secret Life of Walter Mitty and like Wonder, you know, Wonderland or whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and so he just does this, you know, he's the type of writer or auteur that like either you connect with his sensibilities and you love it or you don't and you're going to hate it, <laughs> which I kind of love talking about broad audience stuff. And I was just saying, I mean, like, he's like he's like he's hitting a certain type of person that clicks with him and he mm-hmm. does not care if 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 it doesn't. So, and it clicks with me, especially Patriot. Patriot and Ultra City Smith both really clicked with me. It's, it's this weird, it's the stop motion, like really noir detective story in the city where all the characters like baby dolls kind of like they're you know investigating the, the murder of this this missing millionaire and you know this cop with you know he's got a, he's just got an addiction to limes you know he's voiced he's voiced by jimmy simpson he's the, the new new kid off the turnip truck in this big city investigating this disappearance you know and and it's all these weird characters you know like john c Riley plays like the 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 guy's son and he's like disco donovan smith and he's you know never seen a movie that's not porn in his entire life <laughs> you know like and it's just, just it's and it had, it had just such an incredible cast of people like tim meadows who i've always said as long as tim meadows is on television i'm happy and i gotta be able to play a part in that you know tim meadows tim heidecker 
you know, Aaliyah Shawkat, uh, B.B. Newworth, who I never realized I really wanted to work on a show with. And I was like, you know, until I realized she was on this show, I was like, holy shit. You know, Dak Shepard, Kristen Bell, you know, just an all-star cast. And that was for, anyway, the, the point being, that was a scripted <laughs> comedy show. I, re- I really enjoyed my, I spent six months on that show and it was, it was a, a really tough show, but it was a really fascinating time. But that was a, a scripted comedy and it was for AMC. So I was like, cool. Once again, right out the gate, I was like February. I was like, well, there's my goals for the year. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it was for AMC Plus, which is AMC Streaming Network, but then they rebroadcast it on the on the um, linear. What is it called? You know, on on AMC proper. Yeah. And then and then I actually left that a little early to come on to Adam Conover's show, uh, which is for Netflix. That was back to Union. You know, I, they brought me on because they were just being overwhelmed. They needed to bring on another assistant editor, another editor. And then I left that a little early, which is an unfortunate thing. And I hate leaving shows early, but it's just like. Shows don't care about your schedule, and at the end of the day, like you gotta, you gotta take what you gotta take. Uh, I, I just started. I'm a few weeks into a new show for Peacock, so NBC Universal. You know, and if you want to be doing television comedy, like NBC is is the place to be. Uh, and there's a new show called Killing It, starring Craig Robinson, uh, and it's it's create co-created by Dan Gore, one of the, the co-creators of Brooklyn Nine Nine, who wrote for Thirty Rock. <laughs> So, you know, I really, I'm like, there we go. I'm on the right, you know, I'm, I'm coming, I'm going in the right direction. Things right. are working out pretty well for me on that. So I've been on that and, you know, and this is by far the biggest show I've, I've ever worked on. Uh, and I probably wouldn't have gotten it if not for the labor surplus or the, the job surplus. I got, you know, I got to be honest, you know, you know, it, it's, it's, I'm swinging a little above my, my work experience right now, but I'm I'm doing it. It's an it is an avid show. The G word uh, Adam Conover show was an avid show. You know both these shows that were probably willing to accept my lower level of avid experience because they needed they needed people. But at the end of the day, I'm going to come out the other end, regardless of how much avid experience I'm going into these shows with. I'm going to be coming out having done these shows, and I, I'm feeling really confident that I won't. You know that now I won't need that kind of boost from the job surplus and I will be at the rising tide, you know, lifts all ships is like, they may get me in the door, but once I'm that high, I'm that high, regardless yeah. of when the tide drops, I made it up here. You know, I've reached <laughs> the checkpoints. Uh, so I'm, I'm really, you know, I'm figuring out what my goals are going to be for next year. I feel more pressure now that I've like nailed these two for two. I'm like, Oh God, well, what's a goal that I can actually hit? But like, I don't want to like lowball myself, mm-hmm. but I also don't want to like over I'm like, okay, what am I going to do? What's, what's 2022 going to be for me? Yeah. Uh, I don't know, work on a show that I don't have to pitch to people every time I talk about it. No, because then you have the mainstream, <laughs> and then what are you doing there? Well, that's why, like, like, when I was at Viacom, I, even though, like, every time I was like, okay, so I, I have, you know, you have spiel every time. Like, I'm at Viacom, but in their digital department, we do this content, you know, I gave you guys, you know, even when I was at Dropout, like, Dropout, it's College Humor Stream, we, I'm doing a D&D show. And then, you know, yeah. You know, and killing it, well, you know, even though it's, 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 no one knows what it is yet, because it's just, you know, reported in the trades, we'll, we'll see come, like, next February, April, I hopefully won't have to pitch it anymore, but now I'm like, oh, yeah, it's the show from these people starring these people about this thing, you know, right. uh, there's definitely, I feel like, a, a nice thing, is, uh, you know, or even my friend who was on Robot Chicken, you know, I just told her about, the, you know, she's looking for her next, and Robot Chicken was a big break for her, so she's like, oh, I peaked, she doesn't have to, she's like, I didn't have to tell anyone what my job was, I worked, I'm an assistant editor on Robot Chicken, <laughs> boom, done. <laughs> get out of there. That's, it's just, it's a very nice when that happens. <laughs> and you're like, I don't have to explain anything, especially you, you go to, you go to meetups, you go hang out with a bunch of those people, you know, people. And it's like every, you know, we, we talk about work a lot. We talk about work so much <laughs> and you get, you give the spiel a lot. 
and you get and and it, it simultaneously can be a little more concise because they know the industry, but at the same time you got to go a little more detailed because they know the industry. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I wouldn't trade it for anything at the end of the day. I, you know, I, lo- I love what I'm doing. I love that you know. I, I have a habit. My, my, my partner hates it, but like every time a trailer for something comes, I'm like, oh, I know someone working on that. Oh, I know someone working on that. It, it valid. It, I find it very validating. Like, oh, I'm, I'm running in the right, you know, like right. it's, it's, it, this, this isn't my accomplishment. Other people's accomplishments, people that I know's accomplishments, like, yeah, oh, man, I know, I know someone working. I, I know, I know an assistant editor on Shang-Chi and the Mandalorian and like, how freaking cool is that? And, you know, Wanda, I know people worked on like WandaVision and Loki and, and like, I can't throw a stone without hitting a show that someone I I know worked on. That really mm-hmm. goes to show like you are surrounding yourself with the people who are making you successful. So like even listening to this yeah. podcast and being like, I don't know any of what's happening. You are, you've got people around you who are supporting you and who are helping you reach your goals. So although you are setting these lofty goals, like you are doing all of the extra work and preparation by keeping these connections and understanding what you want to do and how you're going to get there and that you're reaching out to people who also think the same way. Yeah, exactly. And it's a lot of organic, like I'm not, I'm not networking with these people. Like I'm just meeting them. Right. I'm, you know, but like, I think a, a big, a big thing for me that's been a bar for my, um, how I feel, how successful I feel is, is there's an event done every year by the American cinema editors. You, some, you know, they're a prestige organization. You'll see after people's names, ACE, you know, for mm-hmm. editors, you know, that, that are in American cinema editors. And they do an event every year. And it used to be at the Disney a lot. It's online now, obviously called edit fest. And it's, you know, a big thing. It's an all day thing. Uh, and they do panels and, and stuff like that. It's, it's really cool. It's a really wonderful, inspiring experience. It's a great chance to meet a lot of these, these big people, uh, and I went to my first one the day after I moved to Los Angeles. Like, I, I moved to Los Angeles like a month or two earlier than I planned because like, I had a job opportunity. I had a lead on an apartment. I was like, oh, should I just go now? And then this thing was like that I planned to go that weekend. And then I saw this thing called Edit Fest the, the weekend I moved down. I was like, oh, that's my sign. You know, and I drove. To, and so I, I moved down and I go to Edit Fest and I see all these people kind of uh, converging in groups. People see each other and they know each other and they wave and they call and they're, and they're you know, clustering together. And I'm very much I'm this outsider. Like, I don't know anyone there. I'm just kind of watching, you know, and I did, I did actually end up having a person recognize me from the internet and they're like, Hey, Noah. And like, so I did know <laughs> someone there, even, even then, even then, not, you know, but I still like, I was like watching all these people, these, these communities and stuff. Uh, and, you know, I've, I've gone every year since I moved out. Like, I've been in Los Angeles six, six years. And I moved down in 2015. I've gone every year and, I've gradually seen myself shift from, you know, across that barrier. You know, I I go to edit fest now and I know so many people there and people come up to me and I go up to people and people introduce me to other people. People introduce themselves to me. I mean, Brittany, who I was just talking about, the the editor, the assistant editor at college, Mm -hmm. she introduced herself to me at at edit fest. She knew who I was from, you know, internet interactions. And she's like, Oh, I've been wanting to, to meet you and talk to you. And she introduced herself to me. And so watching that that transition that's that's to me that arc is the thing i, I kind of keep my eye on of, of what makes me feel so like validated in this industry and, and what i'm doing like that i have a place here is that now i'm in the, those inner circles when i go to edifice which i i you know the last two years have been online it's been a very cool experience but it's not the same mm-hmm. so I, I eagerly look forward to the the next time you know i get to to do that and that'll be you know that's my christmas every year is edit fest it's your litmus test and, and it'll be so good yeah yeah you did you started from you know day one 
And that's that's wild. That's exactly. a really cool. That's a real. I like that in your life story. That's really fucking cool. Yeah. So I I, I advocate. You know, I I work with a, a post production nonprofit called Blue Collar Post Collective, and one of our big things is we we send people to events and stuff and we fly them out and put them up and i'm always pushing for us to send as many people as possible to edit fest because it's such a cool i I also think a lot it's a lot of people who are like looking at moving to los angeles and so getting that little feet on the ground time in la is i think so valuable for building that confidence and knowing a few you know like oh i've met people i've spent facetime with people in la and demystifying it because i moved to la because a friend of mine moved down a few months before me i was like oh he did it i can and he got (laughs) me into the building i was in too so like he got me my apartment because it was in, in his apartment building so I, I love sending people to Edit Fest because it, it's such a great way to kind of stick your toes into the water of going out to LA. That's awesome. Alex, do you have any other questions for Noah? Noah, if you were a D&D class, what would you be? Uh, bard. I don't know why I asked. Yeah, like I was going to expect yeah. any other answer. <laughs> yeah, it's a little long. I'd, I'd like to say wizard. I'd like to say wizard, but I... God, the ADHD is too bad to be a wizard. <laughs> there are no, there are no ADHD wizards. It's too focused. I mean, if if that was your focus, yeah. if you hyper focused on studying, then yeah. Yeah, yeah, hyper. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I've never, I've never been a hyper focused ADHD person. <laughs> I, I am the procrastinate eating and like. Well, I, I get the the loose track of time type person. I'm like, oh, let me just finish this thing. But it's not this. I don't think it's the same as hyper focus right. for me, at least. I don't know. Uh, no, do you have any questions before we wrap this up? No, I just, I just, I wanted to add. So, so this is, I, I re-listened to Aaron's uh, episode last night, so I could make sure, you know, to correct her if she got anything wrong. <laughs> uh, which she didn't, because she's fantastic. But th- th- this, there's something that I've like, like this was one of the things. Like, oh, I, if I was in the conversation, I would have interjected. And she was talking about the uh, the bird noises that Brennan recorded yes. for Fantasy High. Which was such a you know, he, he did like a monkey at one point. He did he also did the the, the corn cutie sound by the way was was Brennan because <laughs> we didn't have anything and I yeah. reused those. I won't even say I reused that sound in a sketch that I got in a college humor original sketch. There is the sound of Brennan Brennan's corn cuties. Uh, I challenge someone to find it, uh, and if they do, I have no rewards to get, but they will have found it. Um, <laughs> But an, another thing he recorded in that session, the thing that I, I I really wish they would release, I think I still, I think I have the file, but he did uh, Brasrar crying, <laughs> which you, you can you can hear some of you can hear some of it in in obviously that's why we recorded it. Right. You know, he gets really saying because he, he says Brasrar start, starts crying, and we're like, oh, we, I want to hear that. Like normally we don't do character stuff that's not mm-hmm. coming out of their mouths. But right. I'm like, I really want to hear Brasrar crying, uh, and I use a, a relatively mellow take of Brasrar crying. But um, Brendan goes pretty hard on that in that recording file, and it is truly one of the funniest things. And because he's, he, you know, he starts just bawling and full body weeping as Brasrar turns into Mario for a little bit too, <laughs> and it's just this. <laughs> it is, you know, I can't even do it justice, but it's, oh, it's so good. They re- released the Brasrar cut. Um, <laughs> Sam Reich, Sam Reich, go release the audio of, of Brendan crying as Rashar to the fandom, please. Because it's it's fantastic. I'm sure you could just release like little clips of him taking all those clips, like just the bird clips. Just, and, you know, just, yeah, I thought I'm like, cuties. well, okay, I won't say that, but like, only fans. Like, <laughs> put, put, put it on daily motion. What, li- we'll put it on live leaks. Yeah. <laughs> put it on only fans. Is that what you said? Yes. Just Brennan noises oh. for only. <laughs> I would make like I would make so much money. Are you kidding me? 
Uh, and then, and then also, like, like we talked about how we, we cut as little content as possible. And I've, I'm sure I've said this other places, but the the one episode, the one noteworthy time when we cut a sign, I cut a significant amount of content is um, how do I say that? in uh, Crown of Can- episode six in a Crown of Candy, the the fight. Uh, I cut about forty five minutes out of that episode of silence. Oh, because you know that was that was that was the big fight after that big kind of first act twist. And and the players were just so shocked and so stunned and afraid to do the wrong thing. And their turns took so long as they were just like, what? Or just, you know, you Murph just sits there and just stares at the board, just, you know, uh, and, and so I, I, t- I, had to t- I had to tighten up their turns so much in order to get that episode to play. And by the end of it, between the what they recorded and what the episode was, it's about a 45-minute difference. Oh, my goodness. Uh, which, which, unprecedented in, in my time on, on Dimension 20. And, you know, it just, and, and, and I think someone, someone once said, like, release, release just a string out of just that 45 minutes of just them not, just a super cut of just them doing nothing for 45 minutes. <laughs> Which is a pretty great I'm going idea. Going back to the OnlyFans, release that on the OnlyFans. <laughs> going back to the OnlyFans, each, each cut as a separate video, and then you can string it together <laughs> your own super cut. Yeah, I don't need to work anymore. I just got to release behind the scenes Dimension Twenty content. <laughs> You're welcome. I'll take my cut at any. Time. You know, cut, cut a few. There, you know, a few cut jokes here and there. You know, because we do we do cut some jokes, not a ton. Yeah. Uh, there, there, there's like there there was one joke I remember like. And I, some, someone said, and you, you could tell, like, that you, you could see that they thought of it and they were reluctant to say it on set. And the brand was like, go, go, go on, because they were in the middle of this in this scene. It was like, yeah. well, come on. And in character, like, in character, nudged them on to do it. And they said it. And it, it, it is a funny joke. But, you know, and we got into the edit, and Brandon was like, let's, let's mix this joke. You can tell they don't want to say it. It's, it's, it's more, it was, it was just a kind of uncomfortable joke. Right. Like, it wasn't like offensive or anything. It was just like, uh, let's, you know, and so so every once in a while we we cut some jokes here and there, but we really try and keep as much as we can in that show. Gotcha, that's amazing. <laughs> Where can people, I guess, you find you socials and stuff like that? Uh, I'm I'm on Twitter. I post weird thoughts every now and then. I have to double check what my handle even is. I think it's <laughs> HD Noah is my my Twitter. Uh, I am on Instagram. I post there even less frequently, but you know, there's lots of pictures of my cats and my plants. So, you know, that's a nice thing. And that's N to the D to the S because I truly could not think of anything else at the time. Uh, Amazing. And, and all, all spell out. No, no numbers. No, no fast and furious bullshit. N <laughs> to the D to the S. Those are the main places. You know, my, my Facebook is, is more professional, more personal professional, like, you know, mm-hmm. less public facing. So I, I'm on LinkedIn. Follow me on, on LinkedIn. I don't, is that a thing people promote? They do now. Well, then they just have to reach <laughs> okay. out to you. And have that first foot in the door, uh, yeah. and then exactly. And and of course, of course, subscribe to my OnlyFans, <laughs> where where I'm releasing be releasing hot exclusive Brendan Lee Mulligan content every week. <laughs> I don't think I I think I actually would though. Like I don't do anything on OnlyFans, but I think that would be the one that would get me on there. I'm trying to think of a really good fantasy high like pun of OnlyFans, and nothing's coming to mind, and I feel so disappointed <laughs> in myself because I'm normally the pun guy. It's gonna be three o'clock in the morning, and you're gonna remember. I, I, I'll, I'll email you. I'll be like, "Look, here, here it is. Here it is. It's, it's only fonts. I don't know." 
That's that's not, that's nothing. <laughs> we'll get there. Uh, orky fans. Uh, <laughs> we're getting worse. I'm afraid to say a third one. I can't even think of anything. Right yeah, no, no it, it's a it's a tough one to pun. It's it's a tough one to do a pun, pun on. Uh, now imagining only fans in the unsleeping city. You know, there's, some, there's something there. There's something there. Definitely. We couldn't make it through one episode where we didn't spiral out of control and doing something crazy, Adrian. I don't. I, well, you know, that's just our brand. It just happens. <laughs> well, I mean, what does control look like? You know what? I take that back. You're right. I. This is my question. Hello. This is my answer. Okay. Like that's boring, right? <laughs> <laughs> Instead, we're going to talk about Elf Only fans. <laughs> Well, you know, Elf would kill it on all of course, oh, because all the people who love Elf I mean, the, would be. Let, let's be honest. In in real life, I guarantee there's a huge Elf market on only. <laughs> I mean, yes, a hundred percent. In in reality, there's probably a slew of money making Elf content. <laughs> uh, I know one. I'm sorry, uh... <laughs> <laughs> Adrian. But probably not enough orc. Not enough orc. But that means someone needs to fill that market. There's a niche waiting to be filled. <laughs> there's a niche. There's, honestly, there's probably more more than we than we <laughs> Let's be honest. We there's haven't... probably there's probably we're we're probably underselling the amount of content. Yeah, we just haven't gone down that rabbit hole. We've been busy. <laughs> Thank you so much, Noah. This is awesome. Amazing. Time. Yeah, I'm glad. I guess I'm glad we you know after after months of trying to get this to happen, I'm glad uh, it it finally came together. This, this was fantastic, and this timing worked out great for me. So, yeah. thanks so much. Of course, no, thank you, and Alex. Thank you, dear listener, for joining us for another episode of Dungeons and Degrees. Find us where pods are cast. Like, subscribe, share with your family. Please get the word out so we can continue to make content like this. If that's not enough for you, please join us on our Patreon. Um, we have pencils to give out, so if anything, you just need a pencil, you can get one from us. Um, once again, thank you for listening to our episode. Yeah, also cut stuff as well. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, there's cuts and stuff too, but like pencils. What, what level spell slot do you use to cast this pod? Ooh. <laughs> I, you know what? Since it was like mid-pandemic, I'd say it's only about a level two. Okay, it's pretty good for level two spell slot. Yeah, we're 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 getting to bigger things. Like we don't know what the upcast looks like, but we're working on it. <laughs> <laughs> it's the best homebrew. <laughs> exactly. Well, thank you so much. My name's Adrian, and I'm Alex, and I'm Noah. Go have some fun. Bye.